This is Tom Fox. I'm the Compliance Evangelist. I'd like to welcome you to a special 11-part series where, over the next 11 episodes, I'm going to go into the 10 hallmarks of an effective compliance program and add the new requirement for root cause analysis. All of these episodes will be based upon my new book, The Complete Compliance Handbook, which is released May 21 on Amazon.com. The Complete Compliance Handbook incorporates the most recent pronouncements from the Department of Justice, including the 2017 Evaluation of Corporate Compliance Programs and the new FCPA Corporate Enforcement Policy to provide you the most up-to-date advice on what constitutes a best practices compliance program. In this single volume, I bring together the top ideas, topics, and techniques that you can incorporate into your compliance program literally in 31 days to more fully operationalize your compliance regime. If you want one volume to guide you in operationalizing compliance, this book is it. The book is designed to provide you with a step-by-step guide to the design, creation, and implementation of a compliance program. It begins with 31 days to a more effective compliance program. Each entry for this first chapter provides you one thing you can accomplish at little or no cost to improve any level of a compliance program. There are three key takeaways for each entry. This final chapter of the book goes through the same process for you to operationalize your compliance program. In between these bookends, the Complete Compliance Handbook features chapters on operationalizing compliance through HR, the role of the Board of Directors in compliance, 360 degrees of communication in compliance, better third-party risk management, reporting and investigations, internal controls, innovation in compliance, written standards, and more effective compliance for business ventures. Also, continuous improvement. If you want one book, which is the single standard on best practices compliance program, this is the book for you. Once again, it's available on Amazon.com. Also, if you'd like an autographed copy, you can purchase one from my site, www.fcpacompliancereport.com, and I will mail it to you. This is Tom Fox. I hope you enjoy today's Hallmark. Thank you for listening. Hallmark 8. Investigations and reporting. The call, the tip, or the email comes into your office, and employee starts. An employee reports suspicious activity somewhere across the globe. That activity may well turn into an FCPA issue for your company. As the CCO, it will be up to you to begin the process, which will determine many instances how the company will respond going forward. This scenario was driven home in an FCPA action brought by the Securities and Exchange Commission in July 2015 involving the Mead Johnson Nutrition Company. In that case, the company performed two internal investigations that its Chinese business unit was engaged in conduct which violated the FCPA. Unfortunately, the first investigation performed in 2011 did not turn up any evidence of FCPA violations. It was not until 2013 when the SEC made an inquiry to the company that performed an adequate internal investigation which uncovered the violations. So starting with internal reporting, the 2017 Evaluation of Corporate Compliance Programs reinforced language which was found originally in the 2012 guidance under the topic of effective effectiveness of, of the reporting mechanism, it asks the following questions. How has the company collected, analyzed, and used the information from its reporting mechanisms? How has the company assessed the seriousness of the allegations it's received? How has the company function had full access to reporting and investigative functions? 
But more than simply hotlines, companies have to make a real effort to listen to their employees. You must spend time working on this issue. You must have managers who are trained on how to handle employee concerns. They must be incentivized to take on the compliance responsibilities and devote communication resources to reinforcing the company's culture values to create an environment and expectations that the managers will raise employee concerns. There are four general concepts around reporting, whether it be through a hotline, whether it be through a speak up, whether it be through a hand raise, or whether it be through managers. Number one, availability. Your reporting mechanism can easily be assessed by your entire employee base. This may require more than one tool, such as telephone, internet, reporting, or other mechanisms. Two, anonymity. There must be a manner to make reports anonymous if the reporter so desires. Three, escalation. You must have a protocol or mechanism to take any reports up the chain if they warrant being heightened within the organization. Number four, follow-up. There must be a sufficient follow-up protocol to make sure the reported events are receiving warranted attention. And number five, oversight. There should be levels of review within your organization on reports that come in. After the report comes in, you have to triage the claim. And this is significantly important because with the new, or not even new anymore, SEC whistleblower program, the clock is running. You basically have 120 days to fully investigate and make an assessment of the claim. Well-known fraud practitioner Jonathan Marks has broken the triage a process into five steps, which are as follows. Step number one, allegations that have a low threat level and do not suggest a breakdown of internal controls. Tips that grouped into this stage do not have a final, excuse me, a financial or reputational impact. Stage two is these are allegations which are more serious in nature and often indicate deficiency in the design of internal controls. Examples include the business vi- rule violations such as recurring employee theft or patterns of falsified expensive reports. Stage three are allegations that are serious in nature, generally involving an override of internal controls, and thus are at a minimum a sufficient deficiency, serious deficiency, but they only have a minimum impact on the financial statements or the company's reputation. More serious allegations in this category include fraud, embezzlement, and bribery. Stage four, these are serious allegations that could have an impact on the completeness and accuracy of the audited financial statements, and that could indicate a material weakness in internal controls. Stage five is stage four, but with one or more members of senior management. After you've triaged the claim, you need to move to your investigative protocol, or your investigative phase, I should say. It's incumbent that you have an investigative protocol in place so that you can immediately take the steps without having to write your investigative protocol when something comes in. Once again, I have a five-step process for you. Step one, opening and categorizing the case. You should notify the relevant individuals, including those on your investigation team and any members of senior management. You should assemble your investigative team for preliminary meetings. This should be accomplished in one to three days after the call comes in. Two, step two, rather, planning the investigation. After assembling your investigation team to determine the required investigative tasks, this could include document review and interviews, document holds, and these tasks should be integrated so that the entire process goes forward in a way that is documented. If there are variations from the investigative plan, such variations should be documented and explained. Step three, executing the investigative plan. Under this step, the investigation should be completed, Care should be taken to ensure that appropriate upjohn warnings are given for interviews. Appropriate steps should be taken to preserve the attorney-client privilege and attorney work product assertions should you wish to. This step should 
uh, be occurred or accomplished rather in one to three weeks. And finally, determining appropriate follow-up under this step, the preliminary investigation should be completed and you're ready to move into final phases. This, uh, the, the investigative group, uh, could decide appropriate disciplinary steps to take at this level. This should be completed in yet another week. And finally, step five, closing the case. Under this final step, communication, communicate the investigative results to stakeholders and complete the case report. What do you do after you obtain investigative findings? There's nothing like an internal whistleblower about an FCPA violation, the finding of an issue, or even worse, the subpoena from the Department of Justice to trigger the board of directors and senior management's attention to the compliance function and the company's compliance program. Such events can immediately trigger a gnashing of teeth and expressions of outrage immediately following proclamations that we are an ethical company. However, at this point, you now have to move forward. One of the things rarely considered is how the investigation triggers the remediation process and what the relationship between the two is. When issues are arise warranting investigation that would rise to the board of directors level and potentially require disclosure to the government, there is usually a flurry of attention and activity. Everyone wants to know what's going on. So for a short time, you have everyone's full attention. Obviously, the investigation will be critical for, to help you understand what your remediation should be going forward. Basically, someone's found out a way to get around your system. Maybe they colluded to overturn, overcome internal controls. Maybe there was a group that simply wasn't trained well or didn't understand. Or maybe there was a group that was extremely well-trained but decided to do it anyway. It is axiomatic that you cannot find gaps in your compliance program until you've stress-tested it. Viewed in this light, your compliance failures can be seen as a stress test. That way, you know what broke down in the system. You know there's a gap. Absent the investigation, as painful and difficult as it, that may have been, the gap would still be there. What you need to do is move forward to plug that gap. I hope you've enjoyed this exploration of Hallmark number eight of the 10 Hallmarks of an Effective Compliance Program, and I hope you'll join me for our next episode, Hallmark number nine, where we will take up the topic of continuous improvements. This is Tom Fox again. Thank you for listening to this Hallmark of an Effective Compliance Program. I hope you'll check out my book, The Complete Compliance Handbook. It's available on Amazon.com and on my website, www.fcpacompliancereport.com. Thank you for listening. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.